0: Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1 800 Club Med or
1: your travel advisor. All right, so it's going to be Bucks at 49ers. The last time that they went westward ho, it was westward no. That was with Tom Brady. Which was really an embarrassing game from a lot of levels, not the least of which they lost thirty-five to seven. But when you consider that, that meant a lot to Brady, right? He was going home for the final time to play in front of a bunch of Bay Area fans where he grew up, uh, you know, there in San Mateo, and it could not have been worse. It started out okay because I think on the first play of the game they buried Brock Purdy, uh, but there was a penalty on the play. And that was Brock Purdy's first NFL start against the GOAT. And look how far Mr. Irrelevant has come since then. So, um, listen, there's no sugarcoating this. The 49ers had lost three in a row until they went to Jacksonville last Sunday, a team that was among the hottest in the NFL. And they absolutely destroyed them. And they did it as they usually do with great defense. Um, You know, now they have... Uh, Chase Young to go along with uh, Nick Bosa, um, Eric Armstead. I mean, that that defensive front is absolutely loaded. Their linebackers are terrific. This is a complete team that when they want to play and they play clean football, it, it's very they're very difficult to beat. And we saw what happened last year with the greatest quarterback of all time. Now Baker Mayfield's going to go in there without any kind of running game to speak up, 31st in the National Football League how do you keep nick bosa and young off the top of your quarterback if you can't run the football you're going to have to win on first down some way somehow um i'm going to be honest i last year i thought that the bucks had a, had a puncher's chance i mean again you were starting a quarterback mr irrelevant for the first time in his career against tom brady that that it in and of itself is is a heady enough thing right uh and yet in no way did this bucks team a year ago match up well with the 49ers and i think that you know just sort of watching the highlights of their game against jacksonville they've got it all going i mean the problem is they have way too many playmakers and you know it starts with christian mccaffrey who absolutely destroyed them a year ago and mccaffrey had not been there very long he was traded from carolina and not a, not a player that they're unfamiliar with But when you mix him and Debo Samuel and Kittle and just so many weapons at, you know, the disposal of of the 49ers and, and Kyle Shanahan, it is just, it's whack-a-mole. It really is. It's, it's a defensive whack-a-mole. Like it's very hard to just decide you're going to bring pressure. You're going to put pressure. Like if you don't win on first down and that's the thing, you know, that, that the bucks did well against Tennessee, Tennessee made it very simple. For the Buccaneers, I think one of the reasons why their defense bounced back, in addition to the fact they were embarrassed and so on, is that with Tennessee, you know what you're going to get, right? On first and second down, most likely you're going to get Derrick Henry coming downhill, and the Bucs said, mm, "Not today," and they really got after after Derrick Henry. They had a lot of tackles; they had ten tackles for losses in that game, many of those on Henry, especially early in the game, and. You know, when you can get a team to be one-dimensional, you, you've got a chance. And, and that's sort of what they did against the Titans. I don't think they can do that against the 49ers. They're just too multiple. they got too many weapons, um, throwing, running, whatever. So that's on the offensive side. Now you go to the defensive side and you go, oh, boy, um, what are, what are we facing here? Luke Getteki, at least as we tape this podcast, had not been in practice uh, as as late as Wednesday. Uh, He's been battling a foot injury. Tristan Wirfs, we know and we trust, you know, as a left tackle, having made that transition. But again, when you have Chase Young on one side, Nick Bosa on the other, Armstead in the middle, like this is the best defense that the Bucks are going to face this year. They're going to fly twenty five hundred miles, whatever it is, to to California and Baker Mayfield is going to be under siege. And the question is going to be, can he hold on to the ball and still hold it long enough and deliver it on time, on target, sort of like we saw with their shot white screen pass? Can they do some things to slow down that pass rush where you know they're just not pinning their ears back and bringing whatever they want in terms of blitzes or five-man pressures or six-man pressures? That's going to be key. You're going to have to slow those guys down. Baker has been... Really, really good on third down. He's been really, really good under pressure. Um, not so good in the red zone. But at the end of the day, he is not going to be able to to function if they are third and nine, third and eight, third and seven. Um, it's it's going to be a tough, tough day. So uh, they got to stay ahead of the sticks. Um, I think that there are some things going for the Bucks defense right now. And I wrote about this in the Tampa Bay Times and on com. And that is two young pass rushers that really caught my eye, caught the eye of Brian Baldinger, the analyst for NFL Network, NFL.com. And listen, it's just one game, okay, so you can't go crazy. But Marquise Watts and Yaya Diaby, those two guys, along with Kalijah Kansi, that's your future. Like, they flashed. And flash big, I thought, in the last game against Tennessee. Um, some of them played more than others. But having said that, we know that Joe Tryon and Shawinka has struggled. We know that Shaquille Barrett's coming off an Achilles injury. He has four sacks so far this year. But when you look at a guy like Watts, okay, who's, who made his NFL debut, he never played before, and he only played 11 snaps on defense. But what an impact he made just in those 11 snaps, right? Um, Early in the first quarter, he gets cut on a screen pass, which is what offensive linemen are told to do, get the guy down, get his hands down, all of that. Um, But you know what? He popped up the ground, and as Brian Baldinger said, like he's made a rubber, and he ran down Tyler Spears for only a six-yard gain on like a third and 18 player. And so... Bucks players just went crazy on the sideline. Like, they loved this guy. Then in the fourth quarter, he lined up outside, and he had a stunt on uh, with Vitavea, and he hit the quarterback, Will Levis, just as he was throwing the ball and went skyward up into the air. Antoine Winfield Jr. made the interception, the first among the starting secondary this year. And, I mean, just in that limited time, 11, 11 plays or so, Watts could not have been more impressive. And the reason why they knew he would be is because of what he's done in practice. Now, Marquise Watts is somebody that wasn't drafted, okay, undrafted free agent. That's one thing. But Marquise Watts wasn't signed as an undrafted free agent. In other words, you had all the draft picks, you had all the free agents who weren't drafted sign contracts with teams, and then what was left over were tryout guys. Marquise Walker was a tryout player uh, from Charlotte who had a lot of sacks and produced very well. Um, but this year, having who's kind of was the, the biggest surprise on the roster when he made the team, but he's had to play scout squad defense. And that is you're giving a look squad. You're giving a look to the starting offensive line. Well, who does Marquise Walker uh, or Watts, I'm sorry, line up against? Tristan Wirfs, Luke Gedeki. Two of the higher rated tackles in the NFL you know, I mean worse is not giving up a sack all year despite switching from right to left tackle. From what I hear from what Todd Bowles says, Watts gives him absolute fits, absolute fits and he he played his way onto the field and he impacted the game in the few plays that that he was around, including hitting the quarterback in the ball going up in the air almost like a fair catch for Antoine Winfield Jr. in the first interception of the year by the starting secondary. So, his presence was felt. And then there's Yaya Diaby. And I'm here to tell you, so you got Watts, who's an undrafted free agent and a proud guy. And then you have Diaby, who's a third-round pick. And say what you want, you know, the Bucks came into the season sort of putting Joe Tryon and on notice. Well, now he's given up some reps. Now, uh, you, you have a guy like Yaya who is an elite pass rusher, a strong guy. Like if you look at him, man, he is – dude is put together, right? And he's getting after it. And he got after it on Sunday. Uh little bit bigger body, six four, two seventy two. 272. Um, stronger than some players, obviously, at his position. But he just – he came in and, and he's worked worked hard and he got to the point where you know he is playing as many or more snaps than some of their starters and not just playing but also producing right uh he had a sack he had a hit on Der- Derrick Henry early in the game dropped him for a 2 yard loss um i think he had a couple tackles for loss he was all over the stat sheet and i think that you're going to see more and more reps with these guys because quite quite frankly Uh, Whether it's Joe Tryon, Shawinka, or Shaquille Barrett, who has four sacks, they're not the same players. Like, they're not putting enough consistent pressure on, so I do think you're starting to see a little shift, and then you add a guy like Kalijah Kansi to the mix, who we've raved about as, you know, their top pick, and you can see where, yeah, they're going to be okay. Like, they're going to be more than okay with with some of the pass rush that is uh, in the building right now, so... We'll see if they can get after it, but I thought it was interesting, um, you know, just talking to those guys, especially Watts, who's so grateful that he played his first NFL game, and he goes out there and really makes a difference, and you got to believe that he's going to be better uh, the second time out than he was on Sunday. All right, we'll continue with more analysis here of the 49ers against the Bucs. First, I want you guys to know that for the past 14 years, The skilled pros at May Electric Solar, they've been installing solar energy systems all over Florida. They provide the most reliable solar equipment, the best installation methods, and service while helping homeowners cut energy costs with an environmentally friendly investment. Well, May Electric Solar uses their own skilled employees, never some contractors, and they've always offered the safest and most reliable equipment. Now, May Electric Solar offers a 30-year, no-cost equipment replacement and labor warranty That means for 30 years, May Electric Solar, backed by Solar Insure, means your roof, electrical, and equipment replacement is covered. Solar Insure even survives May Electric Solar and is owned by the homeowner. And there is no deductibles or additional fees. This policy will also transfer to the new homeowners with no fee. This is not a blanket insurance policy. In fact, only the best contractors are allowed to be part of this program and May Electric Solar's reputation and history of workmanship has earned this membership. To learn more about May Electric Solar's installation and their 30 year warranty, call 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. All right. Offensively, now we talked about the defense. Offensively, this is going to be really tough sledding for the Bucs. Um, again, I, I, you know, not knowing who's going to play tackle as we do this podcast, I will assume they'll have their starters. Um, the one thing I'll say Uh, about what they've done the last few weeks is, and I think the key to this game, can you get good positive yards, more than one or two, on first down? And if they can stay on schedule, then Baker Mayfield can do a multitude of things. And I I think I've started to see that a little bit, not so much in the run game, but with Rashad White in the passing game. We talked about the screen pass last week for a touchdown. Um, They have got to stay in third and manageable. Because if you get behind the sticks on these guys, it's over. It's not even a question of whether uh, they're going to get to you. It's just like, you know, when and how, how much of a loss you're going to take. So they're that good. They deserve that much respect. And I think for the Bucks, you know, they don't have much to lose. And, and when I say that, obviously they're still a game behind in the NFC South. And if they lose this game, it won't make things easier. But the schedule certainly is favorable with still four more games in the NFC South, a game in Indianapolis, uh, one at home against Jacksonville. Like, there's some games here that they can win after this week. Will they fall out of it if they don't win on Sunday? No, they will not. Um, But you want to stay healthy. You want to stay engaged. It's a long trip. And if you can steal one somehow, it would be enormous uh, for the Buccaneers, what, what's ahead of them? They have some very winnable games coming up, and they need to uh, to try to keep some of this momentum. Even in a loss, you know, uh, they got to find a way to uh, to keep it. So, um, look, I I think the Forty ers are favored for a reason. Uh, I cannot imagine them losing this game. But if the Bucks go out there, play a perfect football, complimentary football. Uh, back up the forty ers make them go the long way. Don't give up big, big long strikes down the field. They got a chance, as every team does in the NFL. But this one, this one feels like it would—they be playing with house money. If they were to win, like again, probably never have this discussion again. But if they were to win in San Francisco or the Bay Area uh, at Levi Stadium and go five and five, uh, that is huge for them. Uh, that is absolutely huge for them. Given what's ahead in the NFC South and the various schedules and whatnot, and how it all breaks down, you've got a game at in the next week at Indianapolis. You've got all uh, four games against NFC South teams, including two against Carolina. Um, you know this this would be one of those where you would get back sort of the loss that you had earlier this season. Um, you know, at Houston or against Atlanta at home, this would be house money. So they have a chance to get it it's going to be tough um i think they have the right attitude in terms of hey we got nothing to lose let's go out there play clean game try to drag these guys into the fourth quarter and win it and and it is the any given sunday league i i don't know that i re- predict that the bucks come out of this but even if they lose um they're still very much in the thick of things uh and i would expect that to uh to go forward so we'll see how the bucks fare um Should be good. I'm headed out to the Bay Area uh, a little early, try to take in the sights. It's supposed to be a nice day on Sunday, going to rain sort of over the weekend, which would uh, sort of slop things up. But fortunately for them, the sun will come out sometime later, Sunday or Saturday. And then on Sunday, should be a perfect day for football, maybe 45 for the low, mid-60s for the high. Should be really great at at Levi Stadium. All right, before we get out of here, we got a couple of mailbag questions. I think a few even involving the Bucks. So
2: these are left over. Let's get started. Yeah, Paul had uh, tweeted while we were recording last night, actually. He says, have you have you all seen enough to want to bring Baker Mayfield back to Tampa Bay on the two to three year deal? I I don't know
1: that I've seen enough. And what I mean by that is this, and we've talked about it a little bit, that the decision to bring Baker Mayfield or not bring him back is not unilateral. It's not just about Baker Mayfield. And what I mean by that is he, he could play really, really well throughout the season uh, individually. He, he could do everything you ask him to do. He could throw 25, 27 touchdowns, eight or nine interceptions, uh, be really good on third down, good completion percentage, like all that stuff, right? and yet not be the quarterback next year. And you say, well, why if he played that well? Well, because I don't know how many games they're going to win. That's the biggest thing to me is if they are not able to win a bunch of games and get themselves into contention, and they're picking somewhere between, you know, 1 and, I don't know, 10, 12, somewhere there, there's a possibility. I don't know if it's a good possibility, but a possibility – that their first pick may need to be and probably probably you know likely could be a quarterback and under that scenario unless you just want baker as a bridge guy but understand this too Baker mayfield is a free agent and even though he's been to five teams in 17 months whatever it's been um and probably doesn't want to move if he feels like you know he's not going to be able to go forward with whatever the bucks do in the draft then that might be the end of him I think right now, if he continues on this trajectory and, and and plays solid, which is what I would say he's doing, playing solid, and he winds up with, I don't know, 27, 28 touchdowns, eight or nine interceptions, I don't know how you get rid of him. My question would be, who are you getting rid of him for? If you're not in the sweepstakes or drafting high enough to get one of those dudes Seems to me you probably want to, you know, dance with the guy you brought. So I can't say definitively he's done enough now because we don't have all the information. We don't know exactly what the end game's gonna be, but um certainly trending that way. He was a bargain this year at four million because of incentives and whatnot. I'd be more than okay if the Bucks decided let's go another year with Baker. Uh we'll see if we're gonna draft the quarterback. If he's not there in the early rounds, we're not gonna get one. Maybe we get one later, but yeah, we're we're just going to kind of ride the guy that we have right now, uh, and see see who else is available. They're always going to look behind door number two. Sometimes guys reach free agency that you never imagined, including one Tom Brady. So you never say no. But it feels to me like Baker has done his part. He's 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 played well. He's he's been a good leader. He's the Pied Piper in the locker room. He's been positive. He can make the throws, you can run a little bit. I'm not sure what else you could ask of him at this point to not want him back. But, again, a lot of it is out of his hands. It depends on where they finish,
2: what the draft order is, and what the opportunities are at quarterback. Scotty had tweeted, he says, What's going on with Ryan Jensen? Did he ever have surgery? Do you think he'll ever play again? And what does the salary cap hit if he is cut after this year?
1: Well, Ryan Jensen is acting as a coach for the Bucks right now, and my theory is that they're saying, look, we guaranteed you $26 million over two years, and you played exactly very few of one game, one playoff game for it. Yeah, you're going to coach. You're going to earn every dime. <laughs> That's kind of the sense I get. I don't know if he'd rather be here or somewhere in Colorado or whatever, um, but he's not able to play. Uh, and so this is the last year of his contract. Um, salary cap, no salary cap. I I don't know how that's going to work for him this year. Um, but listen, I don't see a scenario where Jensen is their starting center a year from now. As far as I know, he hasn't done anything different uh, to repair that injury. And when you're talking about things like M, um, you know, um, umbilical cords from cesarean babies in Antigua, I'm out. Like I'm out at that point. Like I, I don't even know what that means. I can't imagine who found that for you. Maybe it's a miracle. I don't know. I don't know that I want to be sort of influenced that way, but it's. uh, (laughs) I don't have great vibes that Ryan Jensen is going to play here or maybe anywhere after this season. I just don't. Um, I've been proven wrong before, but it just feels to me like he's in a coaching mode now and that's probably where he's going to stay. We'll see. A lot of things can change, but, yeah, I, I, I don't
2: see that. I don't see him with the team. Mike had emailed us. says, I appreciate your honest approach to providing fair and counterbalanced narratives surrounding the Buccaneers. As you've mentioned multiple times in your podcast, the Bucks have resigned themselves to be in a rebuilding mode from a salary cap perspective. The season is going as well as you can hope given the salary cap limitations and transitioning to a younger team. It seems to me like you can rebuild around Baker Mayfield. He brings a lot of intangibles to the organization while winning is key. Do you see Baker becoming a staple in Tampa if they try to provide him with a supporting cast outside of Mike Evans and chris Godwin?
1: I think he could be. I think he could be that guy um you know he's still a fairly young player uh but with a lot of experience and a lot of bad things that happened to him, a lot of good things as well. but he's grown up through the process uh and and like we talked about just a minute ago, tell me where they draft like if you're drafting. One through six, maybe you have a shot at somebody that you think is better. Um, But I think Baker has held up his end. Like, if you're Baker Mayfield and you go, listen, I, I've been to a lot of places and there's a lot of bad press out there about me. All I know is I'm going to come in here, bust my butt, beat out Kyle Trask, went over to the locker room, beat the Pied Piper of the organization. And, you know, he has sort of done all that, you know. And so... um. The transition part, they're already kind of going through. They're sort of threading the needle here a little bit. But you're going to see more named veterans, I think, fall off this roster because it's just a process where you have to get younger. But in terms of, like, Baker, um, I I do believe that you could look at him and say, yeah, we can win if we, if we continue to build around this guy. Remember, this is the first year that he's been in the system under Dave Canales. Um, so it, it, it sort of is rebuilding mode from the standpoint of you have to get control of the salary cap. You have to, you know, clear the decks and, and not be sort of limited that way. Not only, you know, in the off season, but the preseason and through the regular season. Um, so I, I, I do believe that there is a path forward with Mayfield. A lot of it will depend on how he plays and maybe even more will depend on the record, uh, which sometimes goes hand in hand. But I I don't know that he's done anything to make you say, oof, we don't want this guy. Like, he has bought in. He's been productive. He's done it in, in a multitude of ways. So, yeah, I I think he does have a good chance for them to to retain him. And, and maybe they build around
2: him, especially if they're not picking – in the top, let's say, 8 to 10 picks. Steve emailed us. He did this a couple days ago. So he says, last night, Denver had to rush their field goal team on the field. as time expired because they had no timeouts. Kicker missed the field goal, but in the confusion of rushing their field goal kicker team on, Buffalo was unprepared, had 12 men on the field. Kicker got another shot five yards closer, made it. Denver wins the game. Could this become a strategy on the opposition's end of the field? The scenario would be fourth and five or less. You act like you're going to go for it. Or if you have your punt team on the field, suddenly you rush the field goal team out, confusing the opposition, and either gaining a first down or getting closer to a field goal because of twelve men on the field.
1: Well, typically, most teams in that situation where you where you switch ideas quickly um, from field goal to punt or whatever, they generally, if they have a timeout, they call timeout. <laughs> it's just the way it's done. And I've seen, and I saw this with the O two Bucks. Like a lot of times they would not risk substitutions in that situation. Now, you know, you do have specialists, and you spend time on special teams and all that, you want all 45 guys, whatever, blah, 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 blah. But you know what? Sometimes, if you're in a kind of a hurry-up mode, it's better just to put your guys down there and just say, you know, go for it. I mean, I'm not sure what else could have been done in that situation other than don't have 12 men on the field, you know? That That's
2: the key. Well, the weird part was is, you know, it's a final play. Buffalo's up a point or two, whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. They need to stop the field goal. Yeah, they do. They had 12 guys out there, but one of them wasn't there trying to block it.
1: No, he's just sitting in the back 10 yards away. He has no yeah. role at all. Right. And and somebody, namely him, should have counted that there's 11 butts in his face and he needs to get off the
2: field. But it had been one thing if you had 12 guys rushing – trying to block it you had a guy out there doing nothing you had a guy doing nothing I mean, they and weren't gonna fake 12th, it man. no Cause game it was winner. the last play of the game it was you know it wasn't like they yeah, just need a first down. yeah
1: right i'm telling you the fact that he missed that and they got to the kick again is unbelievable and i wonder this too maybe they would have done it anyway but if they win that game is ken dorsey getting fired nope losing his job nope I don't know why they didn't fire whoever's responsible for having 11 guys on on special teams. I might've looked hard at the special teams coach personally, but yeah, I don't know that Dorsey's out of here if, if, if they win that game. And frankly, by any imagination, they should have won it. It's just, it's unbelievable to me.
0: Hi, this is bachelor clues from game of roses, of course. And I want to talk about club med dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.
2: We'll wrap on this. This is a baseball question, actually. Thomas tweeted you, or us, actually. Yeah, I'd like did. to just remind you two that you've... Hold <laughs> well, I it again. I'd like to just remind you that you two fogged Blake Snell multiple times this baseball season as a player that had fallen off and he just won a Cy Young. Okay. First of all, I don't know how you fog somebody, but whatever.
1: Um, I will say this. I, I remember talking about Blake Snell. I don't remember predicting doom and gloom or that he couldn't win this or that. I, I don't know that I'd got that much into the weeds, but and what was the name of the guy that on, on Twitter that wrote us? Thomas. It was, uh, Thomas. Thomas, I would say this. Uh, if we did, and you know, we'd have to go back, check the tape. If we did at some point besmirch, otherwise demean, otherwise give lack of credit to or appreciation for Blake Snell, my guess is, and I've tried to reconstruct this very mm-hmm. important matter in my mind, but my guess is we probably did it at a point where Blake Snell uh, was one in six with a five-something ERA, and his team lost nine out of his first 11 starts. Now, I'm not a genius, right? I'm not. But if you're that far into the season um, and you've made that many starts, And you don't have anything to show for it. In fact, a five-something ERA, congratulations for him in turning it around. And he really turned it around. And he's one of very few players that have ever won a Cy Young in both leagues. It's just incredible what he's accomplished. But, yeah, I I, I don't think
2: anybody was writing me, much less. I remember earlier this year we had some questions on the Blake Snell trade. Oh, we did. And and in terms of Luis Patino, wasn't doing well here. Right. And Francisco Mejia was here, but Christian Bethancourt kind of passed him. Scuffling, yeah. You know, you started going through the prospects that they got for Blake Snell, and and there was I I remember specifically we got questions whether who won that trade: the Braves or the Rays or the Padres. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. Blake Snell was off to a really bad start this season. Yeah, he was. You know, and so I don't. You know. I don't watch the Padres very often in baseball. I'll catch them occasionally. So I don't see Blake Snell pitch regularly. Right. I'm sure you don't either, but no, but I know, I know saw early in the year numbers. he was not pitching the way that we've known him to pitch.
1: It was horrible. I mean, it was horrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was bad. So I, I come at me with anything, but you know, revisionist history. Like I wasn't trying to kill Blake Snell, but Blake Snell was not playing as well um, down the stretch at that time. So you know, it's one of those like. But you said, well, yeah, let's put it in proper context, and it doesn't really hold water. Um. Anyway, uh, Blake now, looks, congratulate. It really is rare what he has done. He has won a Cy Young in both leagues, and I think I saw where there's like maybe seven pitchers that have done that, six or seven. Um. Just you know, just remarkable. All right, so it'll be Bucks against San Francisco. That game at four o'clock, uh, Eastern Time, one o'clock Pacific Time. And this one, folks, uh, could get ugly, or maybe the Bucks pull off the victory and have one of the greatest upsets since I don't know, back in the day they beat Jerry Rice and those guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, San Francisco came here one year. Uh, it was the year they won the Super Bowl in '02. And the Bucks obliterated them, and they hurt Rice, and they hurt Montana, and they had two or uh, Steve Young, rather, and they had two or three quarterbacks that day. It was crazy, but uh, failing that, uh, they got their hands full, and uh, we'll see if they're able to pull out a victory. If they do, they would be in first place in the NFC South. It's unfathomable when you consider how it's gone the last month, but that's that's sort of where they're at. And yet, a loss will not knock them out of it based on the schedule that's ahead of them. So. We'll be back to talk about that on Monday. I'm off to the West Coast. Thanks for listening, as always, for Steve Bursting, Governor Stroud, the Tampa Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hi, this is Bachelor
0: Clues from Game of Roses, of course, and I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950, with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from